0: As a pastor and leader, one of the most encouraging things for me is to see the, is to see the church in action, uh, where the parts of the body of Christ are equipped and empowered to do what God has called them to do. And VBS is an example of that. It's a picture of that every year. Uh, people serving behind the scenes, in front, everyone doing their part, so that the seeds of the good news of the gospel get planted into that next generation. So thank you for what you've done and what you will continue to do to, do to answer God's call to go and make disciples, to spread His love to those around us. Speaking of love, some Crosspoint family news for you. I like that transition. Uh, Congratulations to Frank Moore and Andrea Thorne, who got married a week ago. so if you see them, congratulate them and Be praying for their new marriage and family. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. And the rest of our time together, I want to give some encouragement and some challenge to those of us who are dads, might be granddads, might be fathers someday. I remember the moment when our oldest, Maddie, was born. I remember that moment when Eli was born, uh, our second. And in those moments, um, I knew our world would not be the same. God had beautifully and lovingly wrecked our world, all right? And we were so, so grateful. Uh, fatherhood it has a way of exposing your heart like few other things do. And so watch this.
1: Dear daughter, from your first day of life, your mother and I fell for you like a deep well of true love had suddenly been discovered and lay now uncovered. But from the first shake of your rattle, I've been engaged in a battle. Because this thing is a war at times. It seems we're always drawing up battle lines, and sometimes the battle rages between me and you, hun. But far more often I find the battle is waged against one. Just one. Myself. Because fatherhood brings into sharp relief the vast chasm that exists between who I want to be, who I'd like others to see, and who I really am. If you ever want to know thyself, To discover the true wealth of who you really are. All your immaturities and insecurities. If you would care to have them brought out to bear in the midday sun, I'll tell you one way to get there if you dare. Have a kid. Because you're like a flashlight, giving me painful insight into the dark and cavernous recess of my selfishness. This fathering stuff is difficult work. But someday you might be one of two. A couple who is just starting out, maybe beating around the bush or outright talking about what you should do. And you may be asking, if it's so rough, this parenting stuff, is it worth it? And all I can say is, it is. It really is. Because my child, I'm seeing the whole world again. And it's full to the brim with possibility, with discovery. As I look into your blue eyes, my dear, there just isn't any trace of fear, just joy. There are these days when your ways become less of the adorable and more of the deplorable. When the evidence trails of humankind's fall are written in crayon on every wall. But then late at night, I'll sneak in just for one last kiss. Don't wanna miss a chance to see you sleep with the light of the moon from the window falling on your cheek. In those kinds of moments, I just know, as my heart feels to the very brim, that this is perhaps the least selfish, the most selfless I've ever been. I remember the day your hand could first reach the handle of the front door. My heart tore in two because I knew that on the other side of that door there was a whole world that would tell you that the sky is the floor. And I wouldn't always be there to tell you there's more than what they promise. More than what they profess. Because they'll tell you every day that the sky is the limit. But they won't tell you that their sky child, there ain't nothing in it. The constant refrain is to shoot for the top for your own selfish gain. But it won't ever be enough. I can't ever be enough. How much I hate to admit it to you. But nonetheless, it's irrevocably true that I can't be at all. Because I suffer from the same fall as you so though my heart, it may bleed for you. If you add up all you need for you and compare it to all I am, it's true, you'll still be left wanting. I can't ever be enough. I'm just not made up of enough eternal stuff. That's why I'm glad there's another who is holy and other because my child, I have one who calls me child too. And we each fall far under the measure of his wonder. And I'm seeing that wonder right now more than ever, seeing more deeply the depths of His pleasure, seeing it from a Father's perspective, and I know that I'm not alone in this collective, because all of us can become a parent to some, because parenthood, hon, it comes in all forms, legal, biological, spiritual, and other norms. But just don't miss that all its forms are gifts, because when we see through the eyes of parenthood, His love for us, His children, is more richly understood, because when I look at you my child it's like seeing us through his eyes and I can see that he loves us I mean really loves us with a love that overflows the shores of our imaginations it blows off the doors of our wildest expectations I used to think that God was our father so that men could learn to be fathers but I'm realizing that he allowed me to become one to teach me how to be his son to teach me to how to see how much he loves his daughters and his sons, each and every single one. So now what I can finally see is that my father never expected perfection from me because I can't ever be a perfect father. But I know one. And to the arms of my heavenly father, I'll run until the last of my days here is finally done. And then even beyond for that holy bond will now and forever demand I respond.
0: Uh, Being a dad can feel like a battle against yourself. Uh, Children and the next generation are like this flashlight into our lives, often exposing the things in us that are not always pretty. Parenting has this way of teaching you of being selfless uh, to serve others like no book or class could ever do. Uh, my children who are 15 and going on 13 next week could tell you that I am not a perfect father, that I can relate to the video in that way, that I blow it, that I don't always get it right. I'm not always a perfect reflection of, of our Heavenly Father. I'm not always full of grace and truth like Jesus is. I'm sometimes quick to speak and quick to, quick to anger instead of slow to speak and... Um, slow to anger. I'm not always a perfect father, but my heart is to be a growing father, a father who's following Jesus, who is submitted to the authority of Jesus, who's trusting in God, not only for eternity, but uh, daily, moment by moment. An earthly father that by the grace of God points my children to a perfect heavenly father who created them, loves them, saves them through the perfect son, Jesus. On Father's Day, of all days, I want to remind us of something. I probably do this every year, but I want to draw our attention to the obvious. Today, we sit in this room, a child of an earthly father. And depending on what that relationship was or is like for you, it, it impacts your view of God in a huge way. If your dad wasn't or isn't present in your life, you might think that God will eventually leave or forsake you. Or you hear about a God who has unconditional love for you and you think, well, how can that be? My dad loved me when it was convenient. Or he never really expressed it. I guess we just kind of assumed his love for us. Please hear me on this. I believe we often limit our understanding of a Heavenly Father, his power, his love, his forgiveness, his grace. We limit our ability to grasp all of that because of our experience here on this earth. The Heavenly Father, the God of the Bible, creator, sustainer, he's a perfect Dad, what an incredible truth that John one twelve and thirteen reminds us of It says this yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband 's will, but born of God so when we 're born again, when we commit our life to Christ, when we believe in his name and trust in what he 's done on the cross and resurrection, we are adopted into the family of God, and we become children of God, a child of the one true. God, who is a perfect Father. His love is unfailing. It never stops. Listen to what Numbers twenty-three, nineteen describes of our God. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Our Heavenly Father is not your earthly father. So if your experience with your earthly father was rough or broken or full of dysfunction, then my challenge is to try to set that aside and begin to see the one true God through the lens of Scripture and its truth. Allow that to be the rock you stand firm in. Allow that to define how you view, how you understand, how you, how you know the Heavenly Father. Today, in these verses today, we'll be uh, reminded of some, uh, the nature and character of, of our Father in Heaven. If you have a Bible in front of you or on your device, go to Psalm thirty-two. Some of you might have it on your T-shirt as well, so it kind of be tough to read from up top. But as a father, as a parent, mom and dad, one thing you're continually doing is guiding, instructing, leading, advising your child or children. And this happens at all ages, right? You're doing this when they're toddlers and you're doing this when they're starting to live on their own. Your authority and role in their life changes through the years. As they grow, you slowly move into this kind of coach-alongside-advisor type of role versus an authoritarian role. But through all those years, you are guiding, instructing, leading, and advising. The question that we all have to answer today, the question that us fathers especially have to answer today is, who is leading us? Who's guiding, instructing, advising us? Because if we're in this role for the next generation, if, if, if we're speaking life into this generation, if we are to turn around, who's leading us? Who are we hearing from? Who's instructing us? Who's guiding us? The advice that we're, and, and the direction that we're giving to our children, where is that coming from if we are to turn around? I think we naturally go to a couple different places when it comes to the source of instruction. There are lots of them, but here are a couple big ones. One is we turn to our experiences or history. What have we learned through the years? How were we raised? What was our childhood like? What are difficult experiences that we walked through? And what about the successes and things that we've done right? I can, I can look at my history and pass on to my children what I've learned about hard work or driving or dating or being a husband or playing sports or academics, things like that. Basically, all the personal experiences and history that a person has. I can tell them what not to do. i got lots of stories about that. I can also tell them what to do for some of the time. I, can, I think this is the main one that we naturally go to when it comes to investing into or leading that next generation. Another source of instruction would be the culture around us. And by that, I mean in, in terms of, of manhood, for example. We look around and, and see that culture defines manhood by the word success. And success in areas such as career, earning money, have lot, having lots of toys, sports, success with women. This is what culture would lift up or praise and define as a successful man. So in the example of, of manhood and speaking life into, into sons, if we were to look into culture's definition of manhood as the source of our instruction, then eventually we're going to lead our children down a path that may be successful in culture's eyes, but won't be the best pathway for their life when it comes to God's eyes or, or in light of eternity. So the question again is was where is the advice or direction that we're giving to our children coming from? In the verses that we'll look at today, we'll be reminded that God's heart, our perfectly heavenly, our perfect heavenly Father's heart, is, is that He would serve as the one we would turn to for advice and counsel and guidance and direction. That as we spoke as we speak, or as we have spoken into the next generation, the voice that we would hear behind us would not be cultures. Or we wouldn't limit it to just our own experiences, good or bad. But the voice behind us would be from the one true God, our Heavenly Father. And we would be parenting out of that relationship that we have with a Heavenly Father as His son, as His daughter. The verse that is on each of the VBS t-shirts, the one that hopefully has been planted in a lot of hearts uh, this last week, is Psalm 32, verse 8. It says this, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, I will advise you and watch over you. This is an incredible promise given to us by God. That He will guide us, He will advise us, He will watch over us. When when we come all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis, we see this is how God has designed it to work. You and I, each of us, have been created by His loving hands. He, he formed us, He put us together, He called us by name, He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows you. And He's created us so that our lives will honor, reflect, and glorify Him, that our lives would be lived for His purposes, and we would have ears that listen for His voice, are guided by His hands, who seek after His advice, who pursue God's wisdom when it comes to the best pathway for our life. But I know something about you and me. I know that we don't naturally go that route, that we don't, on our own, apart from the help of the Holy Spirit, want to pursue God's pathway for our life we don't naturally run to him for advice because because the minute we are born, what we want is to find the best pathway that best satisfies us, this guy, not necessarily the one that best fulfills God's purposes or satisfies him or honors him. One reason I know that is by looking at my own heart that that before I met Jesus, I really didn't care if I broke God's commands. I didn't. I intended on living for myself and no one else when push came to shove in the end i wanted what was best for me not necessarily anyone else let alone god another reason i know this about our hearts is because i'm a parent that through the years our children have have not obeyed all that we have asked of them they are not perfect that their hearts sometimes don't want to do what we ask of them but want to do what pleases them this was the case in the high chair all right? It's the case now that they're older. that They don't always respond with folded, hand, folded hands and say, bless you, Father, bless you, Mother. They don't always do that. I don't know if that happened. Maybe it's just our home. But if, if it is, then give, give me some advice. All right? But here's the thing, and the video spoke to this. In those moments when I see my child's, my, my children's heart bent towards self, here's what I see. I see a reflection of my own heart and the work yet to be done in me. It's in those moments that the Holy Spirit gently reminds me that I have not obeyed all of God's commands either and all that he asks of me. On the last night of VBS, we, we talked about the Ten Commandments and Moses gave the Ten Commandments to each of the kids. And listen, I can't make it through those ten and come out batting a thousand. All right, And if I would get close to obeying them completely, then my heart would just simply be consumed by self-righteous pride saying, I got pretty close though. I got closer than than you did. This is why in Ephesians 2, we are reminded that we are saved by grace alone, not by works. That we can't earn salvation or earn a, earn a, a home in heaven by our good deeds or how well we obey. Because the Bible reminds us that we've all fallen short of the glory and perfection of God. That even though we've been designed to to live out verse eight, our hearts are naturally bent toward what's revealed in verse nine, which doesn't go well on T-shirts. All right, <laughs> verse nine says, "Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control." Just doesn't fit well on a VBS T-shirt. <laughs> Apart from the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, this is where our hearts go. Our sinful hearts don't like to be told what to do or how to live or who to worship or how to spend our time or who to serve or walk here or say that. Ever since the fall of man and sin into the world in Genesis 3, our hearts are like a mule or a senseless horse that wants to go, go its own way. And then verse 10 reminds us of this sobering fact. Many sorrows come to the wicked. Our sin, that, that sin tendency of our hearts to go our own way, it might, might lead to momentary pleasure. It may lead to the feeding of our pride, but eventually it leads to sorrow. Broken relationships more than anything else. In the end, my sin has led to strife in friendships, conflict in marriage or with my kids. More than anything, our sin leads to a broken relationship with our God. Our sin separates us from our God and, and how he's designed us to live according to Verse 8. Our sin leads to an eternal sorrow because apart from saving faith in in Christ, apart from placing our our faith and trust in Him, we stand separated eternally from the grace and love of God, which leads to a place of suffering and torment and hurt. But God, see, the, the rest of verse 10 says this, "...but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord." So even though our hearts are like, senseless, like a senseless horse wanting to go our own way and, and not be guided by anything or anyone else, God pursues us with his love. The rescue plan is in motion. God sends his one and only son to be born of, of, of a virgin, live a perfect life, die on a cross, paying the price for our sin, rising again on the third day, proving that he is God, ascending to heaven, and one day will return. God sets this plan of salvation into motion, this rescue plan. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And he invites each of us by saying, will you trust me? Will you trust in the Lord? Will you not trust in yourself, but instead place your faith and trust in Jesus, who is the only remedy for sin, the only remedy for our broken and proud hearts that want to go our own way? Jesus is the remedy and the rescuer. As a parent, we don't just want to want our children to trust in us we want them to ultimately trust in jesus because like the video spoke about if they if their trust if their trust lands or finishes with simply mom and dad we will fail them we are not savior we are not messiah there's only one savior only one messiah and we want them to ultimately trust in him because he according to verse 10 is unfailing His unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. There are a lot of things that fail us in this life. But one thing is unfailing, and that is God. Where's your your trust this morning? Where have you set down your trust anchor, so to speak? This is a powerful promise that despite circumstances, feelings, what may come in the future, what may happen in the world around us, unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. And because of such good news, because God invites us to trust in Him, not only for eternity and in this life, it leads us to worship. It leads us to, to thank Him, to love Him, to, to be grateful to Him. It leads to our joy. Verse 11, So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey Him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. We rejoice because His love is unfailing, that even in death He is unfailing. He proved it by rising again on the third day. So we rejoice. We are joyful. In Christ, we have this earthly joy as well as an, an eternal joy because God is making all things new. He's transforming us more and more into, the, into a reflection or an image of Christ. He is lavishing upon His children His grace and His love. And He is restoring this world. And one day, for those who trust in God, will wipe away every tear. Remove all sorrow and the brokenness of our world and relationships. We will, we will, it will be gone and we will rejoice forever. The question is, will we listen? And will we res- respond to this good news? Will we transfer our trust away from ourselves and on to Jesus alone? Will we follow Jesus with our entire lives? Will we choose to not be like the horse or the mule and instead humble ourselves? Because when we do that, God says, I will instruct you, I will teach you, I will lead you, I will counsel you, I will watch over you, I will become, I I will because I am. I will because my love is unfailing for those who trust in me. Fathers, we are called to guide and instruct our children. We're called to make disciples of Jesus in our home. By no means do we do this alone, but we must not expect others, whether it be our wives or the Children's mom, or, or the church, or the pastor, or someone else to do this for us. We can't choose apathy, the, the apathetic route on this, men. We can't delegate away our role to guide and instruct and give advice and lead. If we're to do that in a way that, that honors Jesus and has the best interests of our children in mind, that has the best pathway for their life as the target, then we must first, our own hearts first must be trusting in God. We must ask ourselves, are we being instructed and led by Jesus? Right now, in my life, in 2014, if we were in a sense to turn around away from our children and go, okay, who am I trusting in? What would our answer be? I pray it would be Jesus. If, if you don't know Christ, give him, your, give him your life today. Place your trust in Him and Him alone Begin this adventure of following him and, and walking in this unfailing love that he lavishes and pours out upon his children. Ask him to save you and make, make you new. And then tell a leader. Tell somebody around here. Because you look in the Gospels, somebody gets saved, somebody's life gets changed, and they've got to tell somebody. They don't keep it to themselves. Fathers, we especially need to be guiding and leading our children. I think for many of us, we just didn't see this growing up. A lot of us are first-generation Christians, I would say, and we are prone to sometimes just repeat what we have seen in the past instead of continually taking next steps toward creating a a new branch for your family tree. Some of us men feel inadequate. It's like you're on this disciple-making job for the first time, and you're thinking, huh, I've never done this before. I'm going to blow it. I'm kind of bumbling over myself and And so taking the first step can be the hardest because men don't like to fail. I hate failing. I hate making mistakes. All right, all right. Here's the deal. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. The point isn't perfection. The point is progress. You're just trying to make progress. You're just trying to take next steps in a disciple-making adventure in your children, uh, if you're married, with your wife, with those around you. So this So this week, take a next step. And here are some examples, practical ideas of how you can begin to take next steps toward instructing and guiding. The first one is pray out loud with your children. Or if you're married, pray with your wife. Take them by the the hand, place your shoulder on them. Sometimes I just kind of come up and and hug my wife and surprise and just kind of just begin to pray over her and pray with her. And if you've never prayed out loud, you're not going to make mistake. Simply talk to your Father in heaven, with reverence, and, but, but also as a father, coming and in, in, in him inviting you to come near. Here's another one. Memorize one verse together this week with your family. Put it on the fridge somehow in front of you. You could put um, uh, Psalm 1191, or 1199 would be a good one. Uh, Psalm 328, it's on a T-shirt. You could, you could do that one. Colossians 3.12, I think we have some of those back at Guest Connections. At Connection Center, you can grab that, stick it on your fridge, and memorize that one. It would be an excellent one as well. Another idea is if you're new to reading the Bible, start in the book of John. Uh, read a chapter a day this week, six, seven chapters. Take it slow. Ask God to speak to you, guide you, Seek to, as you seek to guide others. I had a friend text me earlier this week saying uh, that, he, that he had... Um, He'd ask his wife, all right, tonight we're going to read the Bible for the first, uh, and this isn't a consistent thing in their life, but we're going to read the Bible for 30 minutes together. And, and so he's taken a next step. He's just taken a step. Sometimes we just want it all perfect, all fashioned, like the house already built. Well, sometimes you've got to go digging and, and lay some footings first. So take a next step this week. One of the most important things we can do as men is to remove some noise in our life to get quiet, to listen to our wives if we're married, to listen to our children, to not be distracted. If we're going to listen to the voice, the guidance, the advice of our Father in heaven, then we need to get quiet and remove some noise. On your way out today, um, I spent a lot of money on these earplugs, just like a lot of money, because we're all about giving them massive gifts for Father's Day. But um, as you walk out, our First Impression volunteers have these earplugs for you. These are not intended to block out your wife uh, or your children or maybe, maybe they're nap earplugs, all right? You could stick them in. And, but I simply want us to be reminded that, frankly, some of us men, I do, you do, we have too much noise in our life. We've allowed too many things to, to distract us, take our attention away from the best things. We do a lot of good things I think we get taken away from the best things. And one of the best things we can be focused, intentional toward is making disciples in our own home, investing into our children, guiding, instructing, leading them, and loving our children. So this week, be intentional about getting quiet, blocking off the noise so that you can pray, so that you can read, so you can talk to your Father in heaven, a perfect heavenly Father who loves you and has shown to us Showed us, shown us grace upon grace through his son. Father God, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you that you are a perfect heavenly father. God, for the men in the room, I pray that we would take next steps toward you this week. God, whatever that is, lead and direct us. We will listen. God, give us discernment of of what to block out, the noises, the distractions that, that may be taking us away from you or the best things in our life. Father, thank you that you're still speaking to us through your word. Thank you that it's alive and active. It's relevant to us. Thank you that you empower us to invest into the next generation. So help us to do that, not out of our own strength, but out of your strength and out of your grace. And thank you that when we mess up, that you invite us back, that you show us grace and you invite us back to continue the adventure of following you so that we can invest and uh, impact the generation that follows us. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you that you're a perfect, good, faithful, unfailing love kind of God. In Jesus' name, amen.